Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello. Hello. Welcome to Honey Do Me. I'm Cass. And I'm Emma. And this mm-hmm. is our podcast. As we say. It is. Uh, we talk about sex and relationships and orgasms and coming and face shots <laughs> and coming and cream and pies. pies. <laughs> Did we both oh, just say it this wavelength? <laughs> Why is that the next thought in our head? Oh, because we got a DM about it and we weren't sure. Oh, we did? How to respond to it. Yeah. If you are the person that sent in that DM, we got your DM and we will ask somebody. They just asked about creativity when it comes to cream pies. But that's just as coming inside of someone. Right? I I don't know to be, I was to be totally sure honest. That that's what that was. And honestly... If you want to get more creative with how to come inside someone, go pop the fuck off. Like I'm I'm so happy for you and I hope I get another answer besides to ejaculate and be done. <laughs> but we'll see. So we'll ask somebody who's uh, a more well versed in the cream pie. <laughs> Are you just soak it up with a syringe and Okay, that never mind. We'll move on. Um Yeah. Um <laughs> What's new with you? How about let's start there? (laughs) Um, I'm post-surgery. I got my endometriosis surgery. So Mm -hmm. I officially, I have endometriosis. They were able to get it out. Um, I don't know all the specifics yet because I was passed out when my doctor uh, went to talk to my husband about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love him. Love him to death. Not the best at relaying information. Um, just but not. he tries very hard. He tries very hard. So I will see my doctor later this week and learn more about the specifics. I do have pics if you're interested mm, of if you're what, interested. The, um, what the inside of me looks like. And the person who talked about cream pies might be. <laughs> well, they were asking about their partner. They sounded committed, to they be sa- fair. Committed. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. I have to point out. Uh, something. So if you don't subscribe to our YouTube, you can watch all of the episodes there. You can see our mannerisms, all of the good stuff. Anyways, we have a slightly different demographic that listens, watches on YouTube than is our typical demographic. It is men in later stages of life that uh, watch us on YouTube. Anyways, one of our ones that is currently getting a lot of traction is our mutual masturbation episode. What I didn't put together is it's literally a picture of us and then it says mutual masturbation. That is the um, like picture for it. I was like, oh. And then, of course, the episode title is Emma and Cass do 
Masturbation May, Mutual Masturbation May, because that was our celebration for Masturbation May. Um, you know what? I call that good and marketing. So- <laughs> <laughs> I call that no press is bad press. And I call that creativity. Entrepreneurship. So I think I think it's called pushing the boundaries. And um, I don't care. <laughs> It's also like once you get onto the video, the video is from a terrible angle. It's when we had our tiny couch in our like <laughs> office this the day we got it. So it is like blank canvas on this miniature couch oh. that we purchased. So just so looks it is like just POV so porn is about to start. <laughs> I mean, we honestly the the original image yes but then once you start seeing us you're like i don't think they're gonna strip (laughs) i hope they don't do anything besides sit there god it's very like a downward angle too um Mm. so just all around very interesting love it yeah um other thing i've been up to i went to a class that b vibe offered we love oh, B-Vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do about love B-Vibe. B-Vibe. We've had Alicia Sinclair, their creator, on. Um, so it was a leveling up your bussy class. It was like <laughs> anal 201. So it was super Ooh. interesting. It was taught by um, a sex educator. His name is Bobby Box. I would love to have him on. He was so much fun. He was so cool. Um, I'd love to have and that yeah, name. Yeah, we talked about Bobby I Box. Know, an amazing name. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about a... Like, we didn't talk about shit. I did not talk about anything. My camera was off. Um, but he talked about a lot of things that we haven't talked about on the podcast in mm-hmm. um, very much about. It was definitely like a 201 level class. And so the thing fun. that stuck with me the most was gaping, which I feel like we ta- we touched on with Heather so, so slightly, so, so slightly in our most recent like a ho- Like a big uh, hole. Episode. Like when you take yeah, it out. So it's what, yeah. So it's what happens when you you take out whatever you are shoving in anally, um, and your muscles have gotten to a point where they just relax, so they don't automatically Fatigue. contract after you take it out. So uh-huh. the hole is left gaping. And what I learned about this is that that is like sexually arousing for people. For certain for people. some. <laughs> and that was so interesting to me because I just, I'd never thought about looking into somebody's body as being like sexually arousing. But then Bobby was talking yeah. about it that way and it just like fascinated me. Um, wow. That is a 201 yeah. course. Yeah. It really it was is. Definitely, and we, he showed some big butt plugs from B Vibe. Like, oh, they I thought were you were going to say some big buttholes, big. like gaping buttholes. No. No, okay. we didn't see any. Um, my other favorite tip from that, that I feel like we've probably had somebody mention before, but it really stuck with me when he said it was like lube applicators, uh, for anal uh stuff. So it's, it's like a syringe that you would put up there, um, to -hmm. get the lube all the way in because he was talking about, I'm, hmm? I'm on the right track, a syringe to go up. I had that idea earlier for different types of cream pies. Oh, you it. did. Okay. So this is Thank all you. tying together. It's tying in. Um, Thank you for bringing yeah. that full circle. <laughs> You're so welcome. But he made a really good point that like, obviously the butt is not self-lubricating, but that when you put lube on the item that you're inserting, most of it is going to come off like from the sphincter because mm-hmm. it's just, it's tight. And so it's going to just kind of come off and not go in. But then when you use the like applicator, it'll already be in there. Um, right, which made a lot of sense. I think you would obviously still use it on whatever phallus um, you're inserting. <laughs> Correct, but, but more lube yeah. the better, as we've heard. Absolutely, absolutely, wow. absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's TM. so fun, Tim. I'm glad you went. That's really cool. Me too. Also, just a little plug: we have uh, we are pleasure ambassadors for B Vibe. So if you want to get any of their products, definitely use our code. It's Doomy. D-E-W-M-E for 23% off. And that's also true for Lewand. Um, mm-hmm. They're like sister company. <laughs> sister company. I love it. Yeah. Very cool. How well, are I'm you? glad that you were able to make it. I'm good. Yeah. I just got back from Mexico for a bachelorette trip for my Ooh. sister. If you see me, I'm it. hunched over and gyrating because I have so many bug bites <laughs> on my leg and I can't. No, you're not. <laughs> 
Mm-mm. We know what you're doing. Mm-mm. You just got too stimulated when I was talking about gaping. <sighs> you can't see my bottom half. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> I mean, in the mirror behind you, you can. Oh, only in Zoom. Not in this camera up here. <laughs> uh, although you could just see like my dog's one leg sticking out behind me, but that's okay. Um, but I'm great. I went to Mexico. I partied my face off. I made out with a stranger. Uh, so that was <gasps> really fun. <laughs> oh, my God. Tell us more. I wanted to save that one for on air so that I could get your real reaction. Oh, um, well, you got my genuine reaction. You're splitting my stitches. I'm so excited. <laughs> splitting my stitches. Um, no, we were just at a club, and my sister's friends are so funny. I'm, like, the only single one or one of three single ones and um, they just kept pushing the single ones with single ones because we joined like a bachelor party. And oh my God, I did such an annoying thing, but I also kind of proud of myself. <laughs> <laughs> we like, that's so, my favorite combination. I know. So her friend was trying to get us to kiss and the guy was like, no, like, I don't know. Like, why would I? Because he like didn't know me. And I'm like, why would you? And I like gave him this attitude. <laughs> And then he's like, well, no, no, not like that. And then later when he was like actually trying to kiss me, I was like, I don't know. You said, why would you? He's like, I didn't mean it. And I was like, I think you're going to have to tell me nice things about me right now until I like feel better about this. And so I made him compliment me <laughs> while I stood there like yeah, this. Yeah, you fucking did. And I just like made him say nice things. And he told me I was hot and pretty. And I was like, that's all I need. Uh and that's what I recall. That was enough, cowboy. <laughs> that was enough. Cowboy, speaking of which, tiny little cowboy hat. Oh, there she is. <laughs> tiny little cowboy hat. You should put a little clip on that so you can wear it and it won't fly away. Every So there a few girls wore these all weekend. They brought them with us everywhere on a boat Stunning. to lunch, uh, to the club. Everyone had a little cowboy hat. It's hilarious. Um, I love it. But yeah, so that was really fun. Other than that, I'm just, I'm here. I'm sitting now. You're here. Drinking water. Yeah. Doing all right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, we had very different weekends. <laughs> we sure did. We sure did. But we have the same thing coming up, which is mm-hmm. um, we have begun our final month before our season yes. end starts. Um, so we'll be going mm-hmm. on a season break for June, July, and August and starting back up again in September. Just want to keep reiterating so you're not scared mm-hmm. out of your pants when you don't see us. Yeah. You'll still see us. Keep it's your just, panties on. Yeah. It's just there'll be two re-releases a month and one um, catch-up little mini solo so that we can say hi mm-hmm. because we can't stop saying hi to you guys. So Yeah. We just that. can't. Yeah. You leave us wanting more always. Um, but yeah. Final- and then we're going to come back um, bigger and better than ever. Come September. Absolutely. Come September. All uh-huh. that rhymed, I feel like. Better than ever. Yeah. Come September. That's good. When you say it like that, it does rhyme. <laughs> what can I say? I'm still in like a little fiesta mood, you know? <laughs> I can't what stop. What can I say? International partier. <laughs> Some people are bi-coastal. I am international. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> Anyway, uh, none of that has okay. anything to do with today. So what are we talking about today? No. We're talking about your fucking libido. Libido. Fucking libido. And we're talking with Dr. Emily Jamia, who is a sex therapist and a libido expert. Yes. So I thought libido was relatively straightforward after two and a half years of talking <laughs> about sex. Yeah. Her first answer to our first question derailed my questions for the rest Mm -hmm. of the episode because it's just a whole other approach and understanding to our libido and what it fucking is. Yeah. Blew my mind, blew my clit off, and I just (laughs) had to sit with the information that she shared. We get into a lot of different things. My favorite thing that we talk about, because I'm quite literally obsessed with this episode, is destigmatizing having a low libido. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Because that is never something I feel like we've really talked about because honestly, I've just held the belief about myself in general that like, oh, if there if you have a low libido, something's wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Um 
something's wrong with me, whatever, whatever. But that is so fucking far from the truth. So. Yeah. Can't wait for you guys to hear it. Um, so we'll see you on the other side. Yep. Bye. Bye. So I am thrilled to be here with you all. Um, I've been looking forward to this podcast. My name is Emily Jamia. I am a certified sex therapist and a licensed marriage and family therapist, licensed professional counselor, and I practice in Houston, Texas. Um, in addition to running my private practice, and, and that primarily focuses on treating couples who are dealing with all kinds of sexual issue. I work with individuals as well, but I would say the majority of my clients come in as a couple. Um, in addition to that, I also have my own pod podcast called the Love and Libido Podcast. Um, I do a ton on social media. I write a monthly column for healthy women and um, do a lot of public speaking about sex and relationships. That's amazing. You are just have so many different talents in your arsenal. It's awesome. <laughs> it's been, you know, honestly, it's been great to, you know, find different ways of getting the information out mm -hmm. that I have. I, I love seeing clients and I find the work so meaningful and valuable, but you know, that's only one or two people in a room at a time. And so I love coming mm -hmm. on podcasts and doing the social media because I'm able to reach a wider audience and get this very important information out there. Yeah, absolutely. You're a sex superhero. Yeah. <laughs> you're doing, doing the Lord's work. Lord's work. Well, going oh, off of your podcast, Love and Libido, that's kind of where we want to start today. Libido. It's been a conversation in every single one of Cass and I's relationships. It's been an issue both as a single person and someone who has a partner. So let's just begin with what is our libido? Let's get an understanding there. I think that's such a great question. So libido essentially refers to your desire to be sexual. Um, I think that's the best way of describing it in a nutshell. A lot of times people hear the word libido and they think of it as like a drive, but it's really not a drive the same way other things in our bodies are drive, like a drive for thirst or for hunger, those sorts of things. Um, you can think of it more as an energy than like a biological drive. Sometimes it feels like that, but it's best not to think of it as such. Um, and a lot of people think it has to do with your desire for partnered sex, but I wouldn't say that either. I think um, I think of it more broadly. I think of it as our erotic energy, which is essentially kind of that life-giving, exciting energy that we all have within us. And that's something that could be expressed individually. It could be expressed with a partner or multiple people. Um, you know, I try to broaden people's definition of sex beyond just intercourse. There are so many things that are sexual. And so our libido can come out in all kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. It's a very general term in my book. Right. I love the way that you described it. And I feel like I've, unless I'm wrong, I feel like I've never heard it described as our desire. Um, so then what is the difference between sex drive and desire? It's mm -hmm. a great question. So we, we try not to use the word drive actually so mm -hmm. much in our field because drives are driven by our biological, the biological part of our bodies. Mm -hmm. So like you will die if you don't have water. So you get thirsty. There's a drive to quench your thirst. You will die if you don't have food. You will die if you don't sleep. So those are all drives. Mm -hmm. um, Emily Nagowski in her book, Come As You Are, I thought did a really beautiful job explaining the difference between a drive like those versus desire, which she describes as an internal – or she describes it as a motivation system. So we are motivated to do something because it feels good. I mean, humans are hardwired to seek pleasure and to seek out things that feel good. And so our desire to have sex has more to do with that. It's like something we're motivated to do as opposed to something we are biologically driven to do. So that's the main distinction. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So if it's not something, <clears throat> excuse me, if it's not something that's, you know, one of those biological drives, is it something that we're born with? Like are some of us just naturally, like we have a higher libido and some of us have a lower libido? Is that all environment? How does that all work into that? 
Yeah. So I, I definitely think there are a ton of individual differences, just as there are with just about anything. Um, there are people who feel really in touch with Eros and with their libido and with their sexuality and want to express it in all kinds of ways. And then there are people who like identify as asexual, which is something that we're understanding about more. There's just been a big wave of research about asexuality in the past five to 10 years, and we're starting to understand how that fits in for most pe- for not most people but for more people and so um so yeah i think there are people all across the spectrum um and that may be in part due to just biological differences but i think a lot of it is environmental family of origin social cultural gender all that stuff can definitely affect how we feel about ourselves sexually so then how can we kind of reframe? I feel like whenever I feel off, I'm like, uh, my my libido just isn't normal. And so is there ever mm-hmm. a normal that we're trying to get to or be at or is it just our own personal normal? It's your own personal normal and what works in your relationship. So I can't tell you how many times people come in thinking there's something wrong with them because they don't desire sex three times a week like they read in Oprah Mag, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, but that's just not the way a lot of people work or they heard Dr. Oz say that healthy is to have sex once a week or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. They hear it on the media and, of course, there's what we see in movies and TV shows. Everything appears to be very effortless and quote-unquote natural and that's just not the way it works for a lot of people. Sometimes people can have long stretches of time where they feel disconnected from desire, whether it's because they have a new baby at home or they're under a lot of pressure at work or they have something going on with their family or there's relationship conflict. All of those kinds of things can affect our desire to have sex. Um, So it's normal in most relationships for there to be one person who desires sex a little bit more than the other one. Um, We call we refer to this as a discrepancy in sexual desire, and that's completely normal. Um, Couples run into trouble though when their discrepancy is really big. So when one person desires sex a lot more or a lot less than the other person, that's where couples run into conflict. Um, And so that's something I encourage people to talk about. You know, when they're considering long-term commitment, especially with their partner. I want people to talk about their sexual values, their preferences, and also how they anticipate handling some some of the ebbs and flows that are going to come with sexuality over the course of a long-term relationship. Um, You know, the sex that we have in the honeymoon period of the relationship is very different when those initial neurochemicals come back down to normal baseline levels, what felt very effortless and easy in the beginning can suddenly feel a little bit different. So it's something that you have to be more intentional about down down the road. And I actually think that's wonderful. I think the more intentional we are are about it, um, when that intensity transitions into intimacy, you can have sex with a new kind of intensity. It might just look a little bit different, feel a little bit different, but it can be just as exciting. Um, And so that's a very (laughs) long-winded way of answering your question. I'm probably going off on a little bit of a tangent, but um, at the end of the day, every couple has to figure out what is quote-unquote normal or healthy for them and not compare yourselves to other people. Mother's Day is around the corner, and whether you're celebrating your mama, grandma, guardian, or yourself, celebrate with the mother of all self-care routines by trying out Osea's Mega Moisture Duo. This duo delivers a one-two punch in luxurious body care moisturizers with their Anduria Algae Body Oil and Anduria Collagen Body Lotion, both featuring Osea's signature all-natural citrusy scent. I use both the body lotion and the Anduria Algae Body Oil once I get out of the shower, and I use it literally everywhere. This duo is my go-to for feeling glowy and hydrated for literal days, and the Osea Signature Scent is one of my faves because it's not overwhelming, um, but it's like a delicious and fresh smell that just lasts. Since 1996, Osea has been making seaweed-infused skincare that is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat mom to the everyday spa experience she deserves with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code DOOMY at oseamalibu.com. 
You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to oseamalibu.com and use code DEWME for 10% off. I love the um, intensity and um, intimacy that you, that mm-hmm. sentence that you said, that that hit and it felt really nice. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. When we make that transition from falling in love to love is a verb, right? That's mm-hmm. when a lot of people think, oh, well, suddenly now I have to like think about, you know, show mm-hmm. how I love this person as opposed to it just feeling automatic. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times that can lead people to think that the relationship has gone stale or they're not interested in their partner anymore. And that's when we see people maybe jump from one relationship to the next. Um, yeah. And so, I encourage people to kind of let time do its thing and be aware of mm-hmm. how the feelings might shift after that initial honeymoon period phase. Right. You can add love poet to your resume. Those are just beautiful <laughs> words <laughs> and Gosh. really, I don't know, really uh, resonate with how we view our libido and desire. Um, so yeah, Cass, I cut you off earlier, so I'm sorry. I know. I'm really irritated about it. I'm just we'll talk about it, it later. Down. <laughs> I think I've spent a lot of time being concerned that my libido was low, even when I was content with that. I think Um, I've always kind of seen a low libido for myself and in my relationship as like an indicator that something was wrong. And there have been times when I've been on like an SSRI and it was so low that it was like, and I didn't feel happy about that. But my partner and I in general, I would say we do have lower libidos or just like lower sexual desire, which sounds a little ironic since I host a sex podcast. <laughs> but I think that I've just, yeah, I've always been a little worried about it or thought like we've had conversations of like, God, we really need to start having sex more. Even though like the sex we have is amazing and we were super happy. There was just like a substantial amount of time in between. And I you know what? always been worried about that. Quality over quantity. What I love about what you said is that when you have sex, it's amazing. That is all that matters at the end of the day. You know, sexual satisfaction is an important component of relationship satisfaction and vice versa. Um, But as long as you and your partner feel satisfied with the quality of the sex and you feel more or less aligned in your sexual preferences, um, then you're not doing anything wrong in my book. Thank you. <laughs> That's all I'm looking for, Valerie. Yeah, validation. Exactly. Aren't we all? <laughs> That's why we started this business, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, why is it that when we're stressed or we have these external factors, that libido, at least for me, is one of the first things to go? When it can be something that can feel really good or really connected if you're doing it with a partner, why does it feel like it's the first thing that gets impacted and yeah. like taken almost? Sure. So there are two camps of people. There are people who need for their stress levels to come down enough in order to get aroused and get in the mood. And then there is the other camp of people who see sex as a great way to relieve stress. Mm. Where do you think most people fall? (laughs) The first. The first camp. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So have you ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So for anyone listening who hasn't heard of that, you can go Google it. There's tons of great images online. Um, But imagine a pyramid. And at the bottom of the pyramid, we have our most basic needs. So these are things like food, water, air, that sort of thing. Then above that, we have our needs for safety. Okay. Do we have a roof over our head? that kind of thing. Then above that, we have our need for belonging. And that's where I put – and love. That's where I put sex is like on that third tier. A lot of times people think it's a bottom level tier, you know, along with food and water and air, but it's actually not. Again, because remember what I said earlier, no one ever died because they didn't Mm -hmm. have sex, okay? (laughs) So it's not that basic of a Mm -hmm. need, even though it might feel like it sometimes. It's not. And so essentially what that means is we can't move up on the pyramid until our more base level needs are met. And a lot of times that includes feeling, you know, you have to consider what is um, giving you a sense of security, okay? And so if you're feeling insecure or stressed out in any aspect of your life, whether that's your job, 
friends, whatever it might be, your libido can go out the window. So that's one reason. Another reason is just biologically the way our bodies work. A lot of times desire can't happen if we're too stressed out. Um, I forget who said it, but someone I thought said it beautifully. They said, you will never see two zebras mating in front of a lion. Okay. (laughs) Because if there's a sense that danger is imminent, guess what? Like Mm -hmm. probably not a good time to potentially procreate if we're looking at this through an (laughs) evolutionary lens, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's another reason. And you have to take all of that in context of how we live our lives these days, which is kind of what this like moderate to high chronic stress. Um, I really don't think our bodies and our brains have evolved to adapt to the way that we live nowadays in terms of the amount of stress that we're coping with. I think we are overscheduled. Um, technology hinders more than it hurts for the most part. Um, it's just not like it used to be where you would maybe have these short-term periods of acute stress and mm-hmm. that was it. Now we just have kind of moderate to high stress a lot of the time. And so Good baseline of stress throughout yeah, our daily up lives. big time. And so it's just hard to feel sexually aroused when you've got that fight or flight signal kind of activated in your body. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And who are these people who can do it to bring their stress levels down? Where do they exist and what do they think all day? These people might be kind of like people – you have to think of it sort of like going to the gym. Like maybe you're not really Mm. in the mood to do it, but you know that you'll probably feel – better afterwards. So it's sort of like a mind over matter type of thing. And mm. and I think also just knowing that, okay, maybe you're not like raring to go, you know, leading up to the moment. But if you give yourself enough time to use the experience to relax and to connect and to experience physical pleasure and emotional connection, that the desire can emerge from that and trust in the process as opposed to impatiently say, well, I'm not getting in the mood quick enough, so I'm going to throw in the towel. You Mm -hmm. have to be patient. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not her. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. A lot of people aren't. (laughs) I don't think – But it's good to know your options. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Aspirations. Mm-hmm. I will say every time I do kind of, again, I'm not, I'm not her. I am not in that category. But if I can kind of get over some of the stress and like get into it, I will say at the end, I'm like, oh, why don't I fuck all the time? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> why am I not just like quitting everything else I do and doing this? Uh-huh. Um, and then I don't do it for a couple of weeks and then I do it again. And yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, life happens. We have a lot going on. So, <laughs> It, it is, you know, I think especially this is true for people in longer term relationships, you have to make it a priority. You know, we know that couples who sustain high levels of sexual satisfaction for the long haul are very conscious about carving time for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do I, so I've been um, out of a relationship now for a while and I feel like as we were saying, the honeymoon stage, you know, your desire is higher maybe and like until you come down to a baseline. I feel like my baseline is higher when I'm single than when I'm in a partnership. And Mm -hmm. is that just due to relationship factors or what? (laughs) Because that's kind of a bummer. (laughs) Well, you know, it could be due – there's a lot of different things that I think could be impacting that. You know, it's Mm -hmm. sometimes one of those – yeah, there might be things in the relationship that – you know, I don't know much about your relationship, so it's hard for me to guess. <laughs> but if there's anything in the relationship that could be making you feel a little insecure or unsure or you don't really feel like you're vibing with the person or there's just not chemistry or, you know, whatever it may be, your value, other value systems aren't really aligned, all of that can influence your desire to have sex. Um, mm-hmm. And some people just feel more in touch with their sexuality individually than they do with their partner. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I work with plenty of people who get great pleasure from self-pleasure and masturbation and maybe partnered sex isn't as exciting for them. And, you know, as long as you are you end up with someone who understands and accepts that, then you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's people just get really turned on with the hunt and the chase and 
finding a new partner and that can be really exciting and you know, you don't really know what might be around the next corner. And so that can definitely create feelings of arousal. It can be very stimulating. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that's why we see a lot of people, like I was saying earlier, kind of the serial monogamist who will jump from one relationship to the next because that initial um, chase is the most exciting part for them. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I also feel like what impacts is the fact that if we have sex, it's like I have to reciprocate. <laughs> Whereas when I'm alone, it's it, I can be done quicker maybe. And then yeah. it's the desire to have a five-minute thing rather than however long partnered sex would take. Sure. So, you, you know, you want to consider what your motivations are for having sex. There are sometimes, yeah, for sure, where you just want like a quick and easy orgasm, you know, mm-hmm. wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Yeah. Um, you know, but when it comes to partnered sex, I do a lot of writing actually about thinking about what you want to use the sex for, what kinds of meanings you want to attach to it. Do you want it to be an opportunity to explore power? Do you want it to be romantic? Do you want to feel naughty? Do you want to feel risky? Do you want to feel, you know, there's all different kinds. Do you want to celebrate? Do you want to cherish? Do you want to console? I mean, there are all kinds of things that you can feel, I think, through partnered sex. Um, a lot of times I think people are guilty of reducing sex down to just a physical act, but there is so much more to it. And so I'm always encouraging people to consider what is it about emotionally? What is it about the relationship? What is it, um, you know, what kinds of thoughts are associated with it? What what meanings are you attaching to it? And so I think when you think about it that way, it can add a little intrigue to partnered sex. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Knowing you, Em, you also have a very vibrant masturbation practice or (laughs) soul sex life, I would say, just from the stories you've told me. So I would feel like that might factor in as well. That's a lot to live up to. I am a lot to live up to. (laughs) I do set my own bar pretty high, I guess. I think I am also more adventurous when I'm by myself. Well, I don't know. Some of the stuff that I've I've done with partners has been fun. But yeah, I I do. I agree with where you're going with that. Um, is there a way we talk about our baseline with desire, but if you're with a partner and you guys are mismatched, is there a way for you guys to come to a balance where you guys are almost at the same level or is desire and your libidos always going to be different if you start different? I think if you start very different, it can be hard to Mm -hmm. narrow the gap, um, you know, I think if you start off more in alignment and then you widen over time, we can look at what factors may be at play that have caused such a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but if one person feels really in touch with their sexuality and the other person maybe just isn't as interested because there are other things in life that they want to focus on, you know, I um, I never want – I always try to avoid pathologizing the lower desire partner. So I always look at, you know, what's going on that's making one person desire sex a lot versus what's making someone feel more out of touch with their sexuality. And if there are factors we can identify, for instance, if one person has a history of trauma or they were raised in a home with more religious or, you know, rigid attitudes or values around sexuality um, – you know, if there are things maybe they need to work on as an individual to help free them up to more fully express their sexuality, then we look at that versus someone who's just, like I said, not as interested. Nothing wrong with that person. And then I look at the higher desire partner. Are they over-relying on sex to feel seen in the relationship or to feel secure in the relationship? Or are they over-relying on sex as a way to cope with stress? Maybe they need some other coping skills in their toolbox. And so, you know, we can work with them on those sorts of things. And so those are the kinds of, you know, factors that I'm assessing for when I'm working with couples where there's a big gap. But if we've looked at all of that and at the end of the day, one person is just really into sex and the other person just isn't so much, I I wouldn't want to push either one of them in a direction that's not true to who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, that kind of blew my mind. Especially <laughs> I was just going to say higher desire. I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk mm-hmm. about that. Oh that yeah. Yeah. That- we're, people are so guilty of focusing on the lower desire partner, but I've seen plenty yeah. of mm-hmm. issues with higher desire partners too. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Those yeah. like a few of those things, like you're saying, not pathologizing the lower desire. Cause I do, I do it to myself. And I feel like if I were to go to therapy with a partner, I would, feel, I would walk in being like, so I'm the issue here yeah. because I just have a lower desire. And then talking about all the factors that play into having a higher desire slash libido and like what we could look out there. I feel like that's never been discussed oh, yeah. when we've talked about libido oh, or there's just so much there. Yeah. 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 There's so much there. If you are not necessarily, you know, if none of those issues are at play in terms of a higher libido person, is there anything that they can do to kind of navigate their higher libido if they want to stay in a relationship with somebody who has a lower libido, not necessarily extremely low or extremely different from their own, but is would that be like, you know, focusing on your masturbation practice or just increasing other aspects of your sexual experience? Yeah, I mean, every couple has to navigate that and figure out, you know, what's going to work best for them to take the edge, the pressure off of the partnered sex because no one wants to feel like, you know, they're being nagged for sex all the time when they're not interested. And so it may be that one person takes the edge off just more through masturbation. Maybe, you know, I've worked with couples where one person has a specific sexual preference that the other person is just totally turned off by and we talk about, you know, kind of working with them to open things up so that they can find someone else who they can act that out with. And that can take a lot of pressure off the primary relationship. So every couple has to figure out what's going to work for them. How do you begin those conversations if you're with a partner and you guys's, your guys's desire is different? Um, I feel like I've been in a relationship where we started those conversations and then sex had so much pressure on it every time that we had it or not it was like there didn't even need to be a conversation. You just knew what was happening was already an issue. And so how do you start these conversations without putting pressure on your sex life? You always want to approach it from a place of trying to understand rather than kind of blaming or accusing or pointing the finger or saying, you know, you're wrong for feeling this way. You never want that to be the undertone of your message. So you can start off by saying, what I notice is that I want to have sex a lot more than you do. And that's okay, but I'd like to spend some time trying to understand why we may be on different pages. Can you give that some thought and maybe, you know, Let's have a conversation in a week or two after you've had some time to consider that. Would that be okay with you? That way that person doesn't feel taken off guard. They don't feel immediately blamed or criticized or feel like something's wrong with them. And then you come back and hopefully they have some insight and you can say, are you are you open to hearing what I think? You know, always mm-hmm. preface it. Are you okay hearing what I have to say about that, what I've observed? And so I think kind of you know, that that sort of finesse around those conversations, those communication skills can really help. Um, and then, you know, if you can say things like, you know, if we were to ma- wave a magic wand, what do you envision our sex life looking like? How do you feel like our sex life is affecting how we feel about each other romantically, emotionally? You know, is there anything else going on in your life that you think contributes to how you feel about yourself sexually? Is there anything I can do that might help or, you know, mm-hmm. what do you think you might be able to do? So those kinds of things I think are a good way to – those sort of techniques I would say are, are a good way to approach the conversation. Mm-hmm. I know you're a professional and so you've had a lot of experience with that, but I just like – that was so many questions that I feel like I've never been personally asked in a relationship that just yeah. came out of you in five seconds that it's just <laughs> – I wish – the partners I was with and myself during those partnered times, we had the resources to think about questions like that and to pull them off so graciously with like space, the way you just said them. It's hard, but that's why people like me are out there Mm -hmm. (laughs) to give you some, some pointers because yeah, these conversations are hard. And a lot of people ask me like, how do I talk about sex with my partner without it feeling awkward? And my question to them is, you don't. 
you know, you anticipate that it might feel a little uncomfortable. And you can even say that. You can say, look, I want to have a conversation about our sex life. I know sometimes talking about sex can be sort of unsexy. It can feel uncomfortable. I feel a little bit awkward, but, you know, I care about you. I care about our relationship. I don't want to make sure that we optimize every area of our relationship to the best of our ability. So is it okay if we dedicate some time and space to this piece of it? Um, you know, I think when you approach it like that, what is someone going to say? No, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> maybe, but if they do, then there might be a little bit of a red flag. The yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely, definitely just lost my thought. So. <laughs> no worries. Well, with, with that conversation, um, I guess it could lead into two different areas that I have questions on, um, ways to, ask for sex if you're the person with the higher libido, knowing you're with someone with a lower libido, and ways to reject a sex <laughs> or an, sure. like a bid if you're the person who's not in the mood, if we have examples for that. Yeah, definitely. So there are all kinds of ways that you can initiate sex, and you have to sort of figure out or have a direct conversation with your partner about what they're going to be most receptive to. So like, for example, I can't tell you how many couples have come through my office over the years where one person is just so fed up with like the butt slap or the tit squeeze that they're like, if you do that again, like forget sex for the rest of your life. (laughs) Right. And so I'm like, Mm -hmm. dude, like stop slapping her ass. Like if you're not (laughs) listening to her, like listen to me. Mm -hmm. And then I will have her tell him how she would prefer that he initiates sex. And so, you know, and, and then we can have a conversation about all the different ways that you might initiate sex and, you know, kind of collaboratively figure out what the other person is going to be most receptive to. So it may be more direct. Hey, can we have sex tomorrow night? I, you know, really just want to have that time with you. And would you be open to that? Um, It can be a little more indirect. You could, you know, do pick any emoji that (laughs) conveys what you're in the mood for, send that, or just be flirty. Oh, I can't wait to get you out of those clothes later tonight. A little bit more indirect communication. It can be more through physical touch. Maybe you're snuggling on the couch and you, you know, pull a little closer and what starts off as an affectionate touch turns into something a little more sexual, erotic. Um, You know, it could be something like coming out of the shower naked, something that's a little different than the way you would typically do things that says like, hey, uh, here I am. I'm sexually available, you know, so that That'll you can think it, yeah. about, you know, what what might fit for you. Maybe it's wearing something sexier to sleep that night than, you know, the ratty old t-shirt. You know, there are all kinds of ways that you can initiate sex, putting a little extra thought into, you know, preparing dinner that night or lingering in a kiss longer than you normally would. All of that can send sexual messages. So you have to figure out, A, what feels authentic to you, but more importantly, what your partner is going to be the most receptive to. Kind of like the love languages thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people are familiar with that concept. So you may communicate one way, but that might not really land very well for your partner. So you have to figure out what is more meaningful to them and then learn how to speak their language. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what I tell people usually when it comes to initiating sex. Now, how to turn someone down, okay? (laughs) First and foremost, you do it with kindness, okay? What a lot of people don't realize, and and I'm saying this, I see this most often in heterosexual couples when we've got – a guy who has higher desire than the female partner and he's initiating sex and she's just like, God, get off me. You're driving me crazy, right? (laughs) She's feeling like he basically wants to use her body to get off, right? Mm -hmm. And he may not be doing a very good job communicating that's not really what it's about. Um, Because I have yet to have a guy come into my office basically saying they just want to use their partner to get off. Like if it was just about that, they could Mm -hmm. take matters into their own hands quite literally. Mm -hmm. And so you have to remember that a lot of times when someone is approaching you for sex is because they want to connect with you, not just sexually, but also emotionally. And so you want to be sensitive to their feelings because it can be hurtful to feel emotionally rejected, not just sexually rejected, but there's an emotional rejection at play as well. And so 
you may say something, you know, kindly like, oh, I love that you're into me right now. I, I care about you so much and pick whatever feels true for you. Um, but I'm just not in the mood tonight. Is it okay if we just spend like some extra time cuddling and maybe we can try again tomorrow or this weekend? I know I'm going to have some downtime and I definitely want to make sure that we prioritize that, but I, I just don't think I'm going to get there tonight. You know, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. say what you mean, but don't say it mean. But don't. Oh, that was cute. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm going to get that as like a bumper sticker. <laughs> like, right. No one be mean to me. Those were excellent examples of both. And it feels so simple when the communication is there, you know, and like the the patience and the intent to be kind to your partner is there, which makes me question other things <laughs> about <laughs> past relationships. But those are both really great and so many options for initiating. Um, oh, so many. That are sensitive. <laughs> Yeah. <clears throat> I feel like on initiating that that conversation makes so much sense. Like why wouldn't you ask your partner how they want sex to be initiated? But I can't imagine that conversation is happening a lot outside of a therapist's office, which is unfortunate. Yeah. I haven't had that conversation and I've had a lot of sexual conversations with my partner. And so <laughs> like it just feel like, like it's a light bulb moment. It's so simple, but it's so like yeah, that would change everything. That could make mm-hmm. such a huge difference. And we have a lot of listeners ask about initiation. So mm-hmm. I feel like that would Oh, yeah. Tons. Makes it- and it, it may not be just that there there could be several ways that someone is receptive. And, and I think also the way that you initiate sex can also, if we come back to what I was saying earlier about what meaning you're attaching to it, you know, a snuggle on the couch or, you know, bringing home a bouquet of flowers or whatever that kind of says, I want to be romantic um, versus maybe taking someone off guard and pressing them up against the wall and kissing them passionately sends a little bit of a different message. You know, so I think you can, it's it's good to have a few different ways that you might be receptive to sex. And and a lot of this is going to be more obvious, I think, in longer term relationships when you kind of know your partner and there's greater attunement built into the relationship. You kind of can get a sense of what they might be open to that day um, versus another day. And so it's sometimes a little bit of trial and error, especially in the early days. Mm -hmm. I have heard, are there any myths and misconceptions around your desire that have been like circulating? I feel like we've been told like foods have helped with like increasing desire and libido. Is there anything else that like gets circulated that you're like, no, not I mean. You know, I did, um, I think I did like a TikTok or an Instagram or something about the different aphrodisiacs that Mm -hmm. can help libido. And, you know, we have some evidence to suggest that some things could help a little bit, but nothing is really like conclusive or we can say, hey, take this supplement and you're going to be horny all the time. Like it's it's just too complicated. Um, So yeah, I think a lot of people think that maybe foods or supplements or herbs could help. And and really, we have no evidence to suggest that it's helping any more than a placebo. Right. The placebo effect is real and it can be really <laughs> strong. Real. Yeah. Because well, I feel like it's more so like if you're eating healthy and you're exercising or getting out and about and doing things that make you happy, that just helps with the stability of your desire, not so much boosting your yes, levels. And we have lots of research to support mm-hmm. exactly what you just said. Yeah. Right. Exercise and desire go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, general feelings of well being and desire go hand in hand. Relationship stability and desire go hand in hand. There's tons of evidence to support that stuff. Okay. And that's okay. what matters more. Is there anything else that maybe we wouldn't be aware of that impacts our libido significantly? Gosh, we haven't talked much about hormones. You know, a lot of people are quick to blame everything on their hormones, and hormones certainly do play a role. They are a piece of the puzzle. Um, There are plenty of women who will say, you know, when I'm ovulating, I will have sex with just about anybody. (laughs) You know, there are plenty of people who say when menopause hits, like, not interested anymore. Um, We also know we can't entirely blame our hormones. So a lot of people are 
are quick to say, well, let me just go to the doctor and get my hormones checked out. And it's kind of one of those things, like if you look hard enough, you might find something, but can you really say this is the root cause of the problems that I'm having with my desire? And more often than not, you really can't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they are a piece of the puzzle. When it comes to desire, there are typically just a lot of puzzle pieces at play. And sometimes you can easily identify what's causing an impact on your libido and other times it might not be so obvious. Mm-hmm. What about sleep? Yeah. Does sleep impact libido? It does. Yeah. So sleep and sex definitely have a relationship. Um, not only do we have some studies to show that people tend to sleep better after good sex, um, we also know that, yes, having a good night's rest makes it more likely that you'll be in the mood for sex. Again, coming back to Maslow's hierarchy, remember sleep. I don't think we mentioned that sleep is down there mm-hmm. at the very bottom. So if that need is not met, it is unlikely that you're going to be in the mood for sex. we got to have that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is why so many women, it's like I hate when people talk about sex postpartum and a lot of times doctors say, okay, in six weeks, like you're cleared to have sex. And yes, maybe you're physically cleared. Um, mm-hmm. Some people are not. Some people are ready before then. Other people's need a lot more time to feel ready physically. Um, And then there's like the emotional element. Maybe you are just nowhere near emotionally ready to have sex. But then there's sleep. Like if you're still getting up two, three times a night for a year or more, yeah, probably not going to be really in the mood to have sex despite Mm -hmm. it being way more than six weeks. So yeah, sleep is important. But we also know that good sex can make for a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. What is the most, is it mismatched libidos that is the most common drive for people to come in and like seek help with desire? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, a discrepancy in desire is the most common complaint um, that people go in to see sex therapist for. It's mm-hmm. also the most complex Um, It can be the most difficult to treat. So just because of everything we've talked about, there are just Mm -hmm. so many factors that can influence it. So yeah, definitely the most common. So if you're listening to this and you're worried, you're not alone. (laughs) The neighbors probably are not having better sex. (laughs) (laughs) But that's almost reassuring too that the way that you described um, how how deep you can dive into high versus low. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, It's almost like there are more options and more doors to open than I would have thought. It's like, oh, mismatch. That's kind of where you're in a now a dead end, you know, that's never going to change. Oh, yeah. But there's also still stuff to look into. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe just those factors are playing in more than you think. Yeah. I think where there's a will, there's a way, you know, if mm-hmm. you and your partner can sit back and say, look, we recognize that sex is a really important part of our relationship. And again, we have a ton of research to show that there's a strong link between sexual satisfaction and relationship satisfaction. In fact, um, there was a big study that looked at which is more important, and it found that sexual satisfaction can more strongly predict relationship satisfaction than the reverse. So we do know that, you know, for the most part, you need to have a relatively healthy relationship in order to have a good desire for sex. We know that a lot of relationship conflict or instability long-term is going to impact libido. But um, we also know that having a strong sexual connection, if that's not there over the long term, that can really erode a relationship. That can be really hard for people, especially someone who, you know, wants to connect in that way. Mm -hmm. So it is important and it's not something that should be neglected. Right. This is a really broad question for something that I'm sure varies so much couple to couple, person to person. But are there any specific indicators of like, yeah, your libidos are too mismatched and this just isn't going to work if that's important to you? I mean, yeah. You know, I I can't ever tell a couple whether they should break up or stay together, of course. But um, yes, I mean, I've, I've worked with people who just feel like they're really at their – like they cannot stay with a person because they're – sex is important to them. And and mm-hmm. a lot of times they feel bad about that. I'm like, look, no, I mean, sex is something it's, it's, I always try to get, give the message that sex is beautiful. It's one of the things that makes life wonderful. And, you know, for a lot of people, other people, again, not so much, uh, but no one should feel bad because they 
desire sex and they see that as an opportunity, not just for physical pleasure, but also romantic connection and even self-expression. And so, yeah, if they feel like they can't express themselves in that way, that can be really, really devastating for some people. And so if, if a person like that is with someone who just isn't really giving them any wiggle room, you know, unless they end the relationship, they can plan to be pretty unhappy probably. And Mm -hmm. and that would be unfortunate to miss out on that part of life. I think if that's meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. If you are hoping to avoid that, are there questions that you can ask towards the beginning of a relationship that won't, that don't come across like too complicated or sciencey or scary, you know, because obviously our listeners now know all of this information. Sure. The people that they're dating or going out on a date with, like they might, I don't know, it can feel like a lot to express to someone. So are there mm-hmm. questions you can ask? Or slimy. That's another thing that comes to hit my mm. mind, like asking about sex that early. How you much know? are you going to fuck me? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, right. something elegant like that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, these kinds of conversations I think come – kind of deeper into a relationship once you've like, you know, gotten to know someone pretty well and hopefully gotten a sense of whether or not there's an initial chemistry and some sexual compatibility. And if you're starting to have conversations like, are you someone who wants to have kids? You know, if your parents get ill, are you someone who's going to want them to move in with us? (laughs) Are, you know, what are your, are you a spender versus a saver? Like if you're talking about that kind of thing, then you also need to be talking about your sexual values. Mm -hmm. You know, are you someone who thinks you want to be monogamous forever versus do you think that there's a time that you might be open to some kind of non-monogamy agreement. You know, do you have any sexual preferences that we haven't explored that I need to know about before I commit to you? You know, how important is sex for you in the course of a long-term relationship versus, you know, what else do you want to do with your time? So yeah, if you're talking about some of those other like important like premarital type questions, um, which really I think it's better to do this like pre-engagement than <laughs> premarital, like because sometimes it's hard to walk away once you're planning a wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, then yeah, if you're talking about that stuff, then you need to be talking about sex too. Mm-hmm. Those are damn good questions, all of them. I was say those yeah. were really good questions. The parent one, really good. <laughs> like rat roll. My parent one, The parent one. Yeah. You have a yeah. Parent, are they going to move in? That is a great yeah, but I need to have some conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Well, this has been like so eye-opening for me. I feel like walking mm-hmm. in with our first question of how like what libido is and then learning it's about your more like your desire. I don't know, from the beginning I feel like I was mm-hmm. like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've been rocking our worlds for fifty Absolutely. minutes. For fifty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's been fun. Where can our listeners continue connecting with you after this episode? Sure. So everything is on my website, emilyjamia.com. I'm also across all the social media channels at Dr. Emily Jamia. That's D-R Emily Jamia. Jamia is J-A-M-E-A. Um, and you can check out my podcast if you're a podcaster. It's called Love and Libido. We mentioned it a few times. Um, I have an online workshop all about desire. So if anyone is like, man, I got some work to do, but I don't know where to turn, then you can go. It's on my website at Emily Jamia under the workshops tab. And so there's a great workshop there for anyone who is interested in that. And um, yeah, that's what and, heard uh, Feel free to drop your little shout out if you would like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, thank you both. But I was going to say, yes, we have to thank my cousin Olivia for um, really getting me on here because she called me. And she said, you have to go on Honeydew Me because it's my favorite <laughs> podcast. And I was like, they just reached out to me. So thank you for hosting me. And, and yeah, you guys should thank Olivia for yeah. getting me to finally schedule with you. Thank you, Olivia. Yes, we love thank you. Thank you, Olivia. <laughs> Okay. 
Okay. Um, so you were just filling me in. There's a little bit more to this stranger kiss story <laughs> than uh, you let on in the intro. So we're saving it for our best friends um, who actually listen to the outros. Listen to the outro. I know. I was trying to save face. I wanted to be cool um, and <laughs> flawless, but I'm not. So I was saying, <laughs> so the first time that he and I kissed, we made out and then I was like, okay, I'm going to go get a drink. So we're up on this platform that we got and it's just a fucking metal ladder to get down. Just a straight ass metal ladder. And there's um, one of the waiters from the bar trying to like help you down, but he fucking drops me <laughs> and I fall to my knees and I have this like huge fucking bruise on my knee now. So that was the first time we kissed. Second time and we Emma kissed. Emma has a bum knee. I got a bum if knee. If you don't know that about her, she's got a bum knee. I can't have two bum knees. Then I'm just a bum. Uh-uh. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. So, and then the second, and you're all bum. <laughs> all bum. The second time we kissed, I like was kissing, and then I brought my hand down and flipped my drink in my face. So then that was that. <laughs> just zero chill. Twice, twice over now. Thrice. Uh. The third time, I think we kissed. I also at one point he was like. No, you go right, I go left. <laughs> I was like, fuck off. I know how to kiss you. <laughs> this is a gift. I actually host a sex podcast, sir. Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> You're, uh, yeah, it was really upsetting. It's been on the charts before. Before. Before your uh, Joe Rogan podcast that I know you listen to, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, that was a bummer. The third time we kissed, I think I pulled it off. But the first two... Those dry runs did not go well. <laughs> Third time's the charm. Mm. Sure is. Sure is. <sighs> My God. But thankfully, we only needed one run with our dear friend, Dr. Emily. Uh, so thank you, Emily, for being on the podcast yes. today. And thanks to our listeners for hanging out. It's like fun to be. It's like the last four before a little break. So feel scenty. I know. Feels a little weird. A little strange. We're entering unknown territory. Territory. Um, if you want to give us a gift before we send off into the summer, you could head on over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review, and subscribe to Honey Do Me. You can leave us a written review with something real nice. Mm-hmm. Um, what could they leave as an emoji to say, you know what? It's that episode that really got me there. Got me there for libido. Hmm. Bido. <laughs> Lay. Bido. <laughs> I don't know. A bean. Uh, a bean. That's better than that's anything I was going to say. So, <laughs> um, Yeah. I don't even know if that's an emoji, but go ahead. Figure it out. And Close thing you to can a bean. also rate us on Spotify. And if you have anything you want to see in uh, Honey Do Me, any questions, any suggestions, <laughs> all that kind of stuff, we have a link in our bios. Um, thank you to in the our- people who have already submitted there. And in our gaping hole that is our little break. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sorry, I had yep, that yep, one. Yep. I could not say it. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't, couldn't leave it in my brain. <laughs> yeah. I All really right. could. All right. Fuck. Now that I'm tied up in these cords, I should leave. I'm stressed. All right. Kinky. We will see right. you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Kiss. I'm sorry. You're right. How did I do that? I did that this time. Okay. Are you still? Okay. Ready? One. I did it last week. Three. Okay.